0: Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teachers. today. That begins near Baghdad in modern day Iraq. And as the story goes, in ancient times, people began to gather and build a city. And not just any city, a city in which they could deliberately build a life without God. And the story tells of a people who choose to build a city with a tower that soars into the sky with the aim of making a name for themselves so that their name would bear fame and glory in place of God's, the one to whom glory is deserved. And it's one of the first attempts to combat God with sheer human effort. And the Bible tells us that God went down to these people and deliberately confused their languages so they couldn't understand each other and scattered them throughout the earth. Now, the proud humans called their city Babylon. But the writers of the Hebrew scriptures did a play on words. They cleverly took the Hebrew word balal, which means confuse, from which today we get the word babel which means to utter meaningless sounds. And today, we know the story as the biblical Tower of Babel, or more accurately, Babylon. It's man's attempt to reach and eliminate the need for God himself. God saw that pride and rebellion, and so he chose to scatter those people, which sounds harsh, but as Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner writes, better to have division than collective apostasy. Or as modern-day poets Joy Division said, love, love will tear us apart again. Welcome to Encounter Church. Uh, happy Nadoc week. If you're here and you're one of our First Peoples, we welcome you, we bless you, and we offer our respects. Encounter blesses and honors the traditional custodians of this land, uh, and their elders past, present, and emerging. And more than that, we want to declare and be part of a blessing on Aboriginal peoples throughout Australia. We want to be a part of continued reconciliation between first and second people. So if you're here and you're somebody who identifies as an Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander or online, we want to offer not only our, our thanks and our welcome, but our blessing to you. Because that's kind of what tonight is about. It's about blessing and curses. These and are, these are powerful yet also kind of weird words, Right? They're not words we traditionally use in everyday life. We're coming to the end of this series called A New Pentecost, and A New Pentecost is uh, based on a prophetic word that somebody, a friend of the church who we trust, gave over us, which is that we are going to be part of a new Pentecost breaking out. It's a powerful word, and it's a word we've been exploring and stepping into, and we've been exploring it through the story of Pentecost, of course, in Acts chapter 2, but specifically through the lens of Jesus' final statement to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it goes like this, but you will receive power, everybody say power. power, I'm going to make you do that a few times tonight, because I feel like it's a little bit sleepy tonight, we'll wake you up, when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we've looked at the rest. We've looked at what it means to be a renewed disciple. We've looked at what it means to have a renewed city, a renewed nation, a renewed care for the marginalized. Tonight, we look at what does it mean to be part of Jesus' renewal for the whole planet, for the ends of the earth. So let's get into that. And let's go back to the story of the Tower of Babylon. Because the Tower of Babylon is a story that speaks to an ongoing, damaging cycle that we see again and again in the Bible. And that cycle is this we gather in the presence of God, we rebel in contempt of familiarity to his presence. You're familiar with the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? That's what we do with God. God comes with his presence, we become contemptuous of it. Then we scatter in the absence of his presence because God, in his grace, when everybody says, We don't need you, says, okay and steps back and then we regather in repentance to his presence because we quickly realize that we do need him and we do need his presence so we gather in presence we rebel in contempt we scatter in absence and we regather in repentance this cycle happens again and again the presence absence cycle in scripture here's just one example exile So in the promised land, when the Israelites gather under the promised land, they finally unify under King David, the greatest of the Hebrew kings. So they gather together as one people in the promised land with the temple. The presence of God is with them. But under later kings, they rebel against God's commands. In fact, frankly, they do this about 20 times before God takes his hand off them. He's incredibly gracious. The presence, the rebellion. rebellion. Finally, they're scattered out of Israel. Taken out of the promised land and of all places, where are they taken to? Babylon. And then finally, they regather through Nehemiah's obedience and repentance on behalf of the people to template, to cycle. And I see it in ours. Behind me is some artwork of the Jewish people weeping by the rivers of Babylon, grieving for what they have lost. Before it was a Boney M song, it was artwork. Before it was artwork, it was history. See, God's people gather in God's presence and they flourish. They rebel and seek their own way. So God removes his presence as per their wishes and their people falter. And then his people seek him with obedient hearts and he returns. And this makes even more sense when we go back to that idea I mentioned earlier of God's presence as a blessing and his absence as a curse. His presence is a blessing on us and his absence is like a curse. And for hundreds of years, this cycle of blessing, contempt, and curse, and renewal continued. There's many examples. The Garden of Eden, maybe the most prominent Exodus, the time of the judges. We can go on and on until God came down again. But this time it was different. God's presence was with his people, but instead of appreciating the blessing, really from day one, they pretty much missed it entirely. Instead of becoming familiar with his presence, they were confused By it. Instead of God scattering the people, it was God's people scattering from him in his time of greatest needs, his disciples who ran in his darkest hour. Instead of people being cursed by his absence, by being present, God took the curse upon himself by being hung from a cross and was made absent by being killed. The Tower of Babylon finally got what it wanted, only Because of that injustice, death couldn't hold Jesus down. Only the blessing of the presence of God could overcome the curse of his absence. So Jesus reverses the curse through his actions, turning it into an eternal blessing and life in abundance through his death and resurrection. So far, so good, even if I've just skated over a lot of theological stuff really quickly. But then Jesus leaves. And he's like, no worries, it's all for the best. And if you're his disciples gathering on that mountain, watching him ascend to the right hand of the Father, if you're going back to Jerusalem and gathering together and praying as he told you to, you've got to wonder are we sure the cycle's broken? Because it sure feels like God's absent right now. It sure feels like he's not with us. But they're obedient. And we come to Pentecost. And the disciples are not rebelling. They're, in fact, seeking God's face in prayer. And so God's presence comes in power. Tongues of fire rest on them. A rushing wind fills the room. And then they begin to speak in foreign languages with the same message, the good news of Jesus Christ. The power of God is in the people of God. Now, listen to this. Where the Tower of Babylon had been God coming down to confuse their voices and separate people, At Pentecost, God comes down and uses different languages to bring the people together. They each hear the disciples declaring the magnificent acts of God in their own tongues and in unity, they respond in worship and praise and joy and thanksgiving to God. Despite the language difference, God uses that to bring people together for one cause around the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? literally only jeremy is with me (laughs) all right the cycle presence contempt absence repentance you with me for that bit great jesus has fixed all that you with me now left holy spirit's here now you with me now good all right let's keep moving pentecost i'm getting somewhere with this i promise it's going to get less dry in a minute Pentecost is the blessing of God's ongoing presence that fully, finally reverses that curse of presence-absence cycle that we saw pictured at the Tower of Babylon, okay? But it doesn't stop there. We could go, it's finished, it's done, it's great. And God's like, no, 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 no. Well, like I said before, the power of God is in the people of God. The presence of God is now in you. And so we get scattered again, but this time it's not with the absence of God. We are scattered with the presence of God, on mission, the disciples of God, uh, the disciples of Jesus, are told, "Go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth," and they take it literally, as best as we can understand. They preach the gospel in Egypt, India, Greece, Ethiopia, Mauritania, Turkey, Syria, maybe even England. God help them! The gospel went global, and along with that came generations of missionaries. People whose lives had been transformed by Jesus and they wanted to see the world transformed in the same way they were full of a holy zeal, a desperate desire for one thing above all else that people might know Jesus in the same way that they knew Jesus. The burning with fire that was within them was something they wanted to gift to the world. The missionary John Wesley reportedly put it this way, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. It is extraordinary, Come on, it is extraordinary, Reverend Brant, what people will do when something transforms their life because the idea is that it doesn't just transform us for us but for others that's the whole point of the monday invaders idea it flows through us for others that's the power of the holy spirit this isn't like a a universe chi flow thing this is a we go out we are the presence of god we are the hands and feet of god and the spirit goes with us living moving breathing embodied temples out in the world instead of people coming to the temple to worship the temple goes to them to bless the people you with me How good, how good. And so they went. Amy Carmichael and William Carey went to India. Adoniram Judson went to Burma. David Livingston went to Africa. Hudson Taylor and Eric Liddell went to China. Elizabeth and Jim Elliott went to Ecuador. Richard Johnson came down under to Australia. Now, the missionary movement had flaws. It's not very popular to talk about the missionary movement at the moment, which, with all due respect, is idiotic. Because the missionary movement is why you and I are in this building now. It had flaws. Sometimes it came hand in hand with political enmeshment. You can go on a mission trip, but just make sure you bring the interests of the empire with you. But as Christians, we worship in a different kingdom. And every missionary went with the best of intentions to do one thing and one thing only, not to enculturate people with a different nation, but to bring them the gift of the gospel. And so the missionary movement came here the gospel went global but then suddenly the globe went global everything's going global globalization went hand in hand with the gospel so cultures started to mix and spread and uprooted people one to another in migration suddenly in the space of less than 250 years we went from a nation that is fully indigenous to mostly white to more than half migrant people did you know that As of the 2021 census, more than half of Australians were either born in another country or had one or both parents born in another country. Hands up if that's you. You You're either born in another country or one or both of your parents were born in another country. Right. So we've got some work to do, but still, we're pretty close. Pretty close. Now, when I say a majority, it is technically 51%. That's still a majority. (laughs) But this is the way globalisation has changed the face of mission. See, we are in a beautiful place now where our nation's diversity is actually beginning to reflect the diversity of the life we will ultimately see in heaven. In Revelation, we get a picture of what the end will look like. And Jesus says, every tribe, every tongue with one voice in praise and worship. The kingdom of heaven is going to look a lot less Anglo than we generally do in this room. Not all of you. Past times saw missionaries going to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel. But in 2022, the ends of the earth have come to us. So what do we do about that? How do we bring the gospel to the ends of the earth? How should we communicate the gospel to people and fulfill this mandate that Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth? How do we do that? Well, I want to look at that in a moment through a, a wonderful couple. But before I do that, I do want to stress that some of you may be called to be overseas missionaries. The difference now is it's not just people from English-speaking nations going to do mission everywhere. It's people from all over the world coming, doing mission here. People go and visit believers in Afghanistan and Iran and ask them what they're praying for. And they say, we're praying for the Australian church because you have no pressure, so you have no face. The persecuted church who are under threat of death pray for us. Because they see we need it in our spirit. So it's not just about going from a a, a wealthier country to a poorer country. It is going, following the call of God the way it's always meant to be. That when God says, pick up and go, we go. So for some of you in this room, the Spirit of God may be doing a work. Maybe you're online listening to this, watching it. And the Spirit of God is actually saying, you are called to be an overseas missionary. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But for most of you, you're probably not. So I want to offer a way forward by looking at the lives of two of the least understood apostles in the Bible. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife duo, wife and husband, if you want to put it this way. Now we meet Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18 verse 2. They're Christian refugees from Rome. In the year AD 49, the Emperor Claudius ordered all the Christians out of Rome on pain of death because there was this insurrection that was happening, and uprising because people were preaching about Jesus and people were getting really narky about it. So Emperor Claudius really rationally calmly ordered all the Christians out of Rome. And so Priscilla and Aquila are refugees they come to Greece, they come to the city of Corinth where Paul comes to them and meets them and stays with them. And the three of them begin to work together as tent makers, people who make tents. Yeah, That was probably self-explanatory now that I say it out loud. They work together as tent makers. And they were working together for the gospel making tents with their hands. They were doing something practical. Now, suggest, the, the Bible suggests in, uh, in Acts that they worked together in tent making for about 18 months. For Paul, that was what we call bivocational ministry. That's he doing two things at once. He's doing some ministry, some tent making. When, Paul, when Silas and Timothy, his friends, come through Med, the Mediterranean and land in Corinth, he's like, great, you guys can take over doing some of the work. I'm now freed up to do the full-time work of preaching and teaching. That's his full-time job. His vocation ultimately was ministry. Can you hear that? So Paul stopped and did some tent making, but ultimately his vocation was ministry. Now, tent making was then a short-term means for an end. And perhaps that's the case for some of you. You're working in sales or accounting or OSH or something, but you feel called to ministry. Now, for Jenny and I, that's our story. Uh, We feel our vocation, our job, our calling is to ministry let me let me be clear this is not about my story this is about helping some of you connect in with it right we sense that our vocation is to ministry we will lifelong for a job be sharing the gospel communicating leading churches look let's be real it's super weird job um not it's not like you get an awesome array of responses when people say what do you do judging I, we're australian so a lot of it's just kind of passive aggressive Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sometimes really warm, sometimes quite hostile. Depends on the sobriety of the person you're talking to. But it's, it's, it's a pretty weird job, but it's a calling. Do you know what the most common advice is for people who are pursuing a career in ministry, but are, are wrestling with it and praying with it? People that are already in it say, run as far as you can, as fast as you can. And if you still can't get away from it, just turn and face it. That's inspiring, isn't it? Imagine putting that on, a, on your Pinterest board. What a dream journal that would be. Just keep running. But here's the thing. It, it's meant to be a, a warning that echoes what we hear in James chapter 3, where James reminds us, not all of you should want to be preachers and teachers. There's a particular weight to it, a, a judgment, a, a heaviness that you carry in ministry. That's, that's okay. You, the only reason I say it is because if you're here and you're wrestling with that call to ministry, you need to be processing that. You need to be considering that weight. So for Jen and I, sometimes we need to do different things in order to financially support that ministry. So Jen has just finished up working on a film. That was part of what she did. She was editing for about six months, get some extra income streaming. Sometimes it's from choice. Mostly it's been from necessity. Ministry, come on. But Priscilla and Aquila, for Priscilla and Aquila, it was different. They were not vocational ministers. Their vocation was as tent makers. That's what they were called to do. They were gifted and graced to do tent making. Paul did it because he had to support ministry. Priscilla and Aquila did it because that's what they were gifted and graced to do. And alongside it, they did some volunteer ministry, basically the equivalent of with their local church. You with me? Of course you are. That's what most of you do. Most of you are here and you work full-time jobs or part-time and maybe you're hoping full-time. And then you serve voluntarily in your local church. And if you're part of this church, God bless you. Thank you. We cannot, we cannot do this church. We cannot do what we do, reach who we reach, bless who we bless without volunteers coming and being a part of it, being immersed in the life of the church and serving one another in faith. Can't do it. So Priscilla and Aquila had a different kind of calling. It's like many of you here today. It is the difference between vocational ministry, where you are called and employed to work for the church or a Christian organization, and what Tim Keller calls vocational discipleship, where your vocation, your job, your calling is not necessarily in a Christian organisation, it might be, but you operate as an intentional disciple there as well, regardless of where you work. You are an intentional disciple, or as we call them here, encounter culturally engaged leaders, leaders who in their culture, in their workplace are always on mission. Let me give you a bit more context and explanation. Priscilla and Aquila, Work for 18 months as refugees in Corinth, set up their pop-up tent store. All tents are pop-up stores, if you think about it. <laughs> then they travel with Paul to Syria. They stop at Ephesus, but Paul continues on. Now, we presume that they keep on tent making here because they needed income and people need tents. But we don't know that for sure. We know they're active participants in mission. They were possibly involved in planting a local church. Here's what we know. They hear a very gifted, but slightly not-quite-has-it-all-together preacher called Apollos. Very relatable. The not-all-together part. Preaching in Ephesus about Jesus. Apollos was a talented guy, but he didn't know the Holy Spirit. He had missed the part about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God being with us. So these professional tent makers, just, just hear this. These professional tent makers went up to this professional preacher, took him aside, corrected his theology, discipled him, and sent him back on his way. There is no power imbalance here. It is about people learning the gospel and living it out. And when you learn the gospel and you live it out in a way that it lives and breathes in you, and that the power of God truly is in you, the Holy Spirit is spilling out through you. You can take somebody like me, like Pastor Jen, like Pastor Jared, who's up here on the platform, and go, hey, can I just just have a quick word? Hey, what you're saying is pretty good. I think you're actually missing the Spirit of God. You can do that. If you have a maturity about it and you recognize that you're not doing it to bring yourself up or bring someone else down, but actually to bring them up in their understanding of who Jesus is, to have a full revelation of who God is. Now, here's how we know they did a good job. This is the next thing we hear about Apollos. He goes to a place called Achaia and it says after he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. A.K.A. Apollos the gifted preacher left Priscilla and Aquila, professional tent makers, a better disciple than when he arrived, a better leader, a better communicator, because these professional tent makers who loved Jesus with all their hearts but were called to vocational tent making had taken him under their wing and said, hey, it doesn't matter that we're not professional pastors. We actually have something to bless you with and grow you with in this moment. Are you with me? Yeah. Friends, that's you. For so many of you, that is you. And I want to empower you that outside the four walls of this church, I mean, inside, but especially outside, the world needs you to be doing that. Some gathering under the wing, some teaching, coaching, which means you've got to understand your own faith. You've got to understand what that means. Now, that's my job, and we're going to continue with that, not tonight, but let me be clear. This is the vision for vocational discipleship to the ends of the earth. This is where it all comes together. If the ends of the earth have come to us here in 2022 in Australia... And really, we can minister to any people group we want. Uh, The the amount, there are 36% Indian students at my kids' school down the road. Not Asian students, not from the subcontinent, just Indian. There is a great need for multicultural ministry in Australia. A great need for great young Indian leaders to rise up and bless their community. And a great need for people to learn how to minister cross-culturally. The, the world is on our doorstep. So what do we do about that? We serve through our vocational discipleship. Wherever you work, wherever you lead, no matter the environment you're in, whether it feels good or feels bad, No matter the the boss who is over you, whether they are a follower of Jesus or not, you are called to be a faithful disciple in that place. So for people like Apollos and Paul, they're traveling preachers. They're called to be faithful in that. And believe me, as a preacher, you've still got to work it out off the platform as well. But for Priscilla and Aquila, they were refugee tent makers. The thing they had in common is all of them were doing what they were called to do, well for the glory of God. So what are you called to do? That's a million-dollar question, right? What are you called to do? What are you uniquely gifted and graced to do? What are the things that your hand and mind and heart and the needs and desires of the world, where do they come together? does the world's greatest need meet your greatest good? We struggle in life when we attempt to live outside those particular gifts and graces. A fish will feel like a failure if they try to climb a tree. Some of us, we try desperately to live outside of the gifts and graces that God has given us, thinking that there's some kind of superior or inferior gifts and graces. There is not, there's only faithfulness. So, what are you called to do? But even more than that, who are you called to become? But it's your call, even more than to a particular job or vocation, is to become a disciple, a faithful disciple who makes disciples, somebody who knows Jesus better and invites others to do the same. See, the last we hear of Priscilla and Aquila is this. They lead a church in their home, safely back in Rome. In both the letters to the Romans and in 1 Corinthians, Paul specifically thanks them. He honors them for their help and leadership, which is pretty good. If the apostle Paul is thanking you by name on more than one occasion, you're doing pretty well. And these two are now church planters, Paul says, and the church that meets in their home. They have become key church leaders. Are they still tent makers? I don't know, hard to say. But I think so. I think probably. I think they facilitate and lead the meeting of this church. Yes, Priscilla, a woman, leads this church. That's a story for another day. Maybe they do it part-time, but they continue to do effective ministry in and out of their vocation. They continue to seek the wisdom of God for their calling. So this husband and wife duo offers a dynamic And compelling vision of how you can bring the gospel to the ends of the earth through your workplace no matter what you do you are in vocational discipleship some of you guys work in banks or law firms or the airport and the question is not where you work the question is what do you do with what's in your hand what do you do with who you are and what god is doing in you and the place you are in, because where you are, the presence of Jesus is, where you are, blessing goes. That's the gift of the people of God. And can I tell you, we're in a world that desperately needs blessing, desperately needs unity around Christ, desperately needs the hope that Christ brings. But so often we get caught, we get stuck in our own fears, in our own sense of oh, who am I, what am I doing? And Christ says, "You're enough." I'm in you. I've done it. I've done the hard work. I've gone before you. I will be with you in your conversations. So here's the rub, guys. If you're an Uber driver, you're in vocational discipleship. If you're a hairdresser, you're in vocational discipleship. If you're a law professor, you're in vocational discipleship. you get the gist? Wherever you are, whatever you do, God is with you longing to bless the people that you meet and are with. Let me tell you one last story from the scripture, and then we're going to have some worship and response time, because God wants to break some stuff up and call some people forward tonight. See, we see here a vision for this idea clearly in the Bible. It sounds like this, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city. I have deported you to. Deported, not great. Pray to the Lord in its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. See, this is clearly a context where people aren't exactly where they want to be. They've been Deported. It's clearly a context where they've been in the absent cycle, but a prophet has heard a word from God. He says, listen, if you want to thrive, pursue the well-being of this city, pursue the good of this place. Do you know what that place was? Babylon. All comes together in Christ, my friends. It all comes together in Scripture. Even in Babylon itself, the place of ultimate rebellion against God, this is empire of idolatry and brokenness and pride that seeks to raise itself above god the people of god could find hope and meaning and flourishing even in exile when courageous christians led by the holy spirit set out to be vocational disciples it doesn't matter where you work it, what matters is the spirit that you bring and some of you you've been so caught up with whether you're feeling god you don't know that you're already out there with him And that people are feeling Him through you if you just let them. They're sensing God through you. People are asking what's different about you. They're longing to have a spiritual conversation. Two in three young Australians are open to a spiritual conversation. But, and I'm making this next stat up, about one in 500 Christians is, we've got to come together to that. Not because we're great, but because God is. Not because we have some treasure, but because God has gifted us with that treasure. It's it's not about us. It's what God has given us. And for you in this room, I believe God wants to stir up a holy calling in some of you tonight. Stir up a holy calling, some of you about your vocation, some of you about mission. And we're going to come into a time of prayer about that. You see, Jen and I, we know the vocation on our life. It's a weird one. It's not one that I would recommend for everybody. But we know what it is, and we are committed to it. It's what we are called to do. Paul, Apollos, same thing. Priscilla and Aquila, same thing. Different vocation, same thing. What about you? Do you know the call of God on your life? Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, EncounterAdelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.